to the Ryan Watts Life Coaching Podcast. This is Ryan. Thank you so much for being here. Today on the show, I speak with my friend, Ryan Bear, who is the uh, proprietor of walkawayruntowards.com, which is a blog really about mental health and his mental health journey. And I thought it'd be interesting to capture that and have a conversation about it. Uh, we talk about redefining resilience, um, navigating personal growth, um, ways to deal with adversity, uh, mental health, um, and, and a whole host of other topics. So again, you can find his blog online at uh, walkawayruntowards.com. Uh, this is Ryan Bear. Ryan Bear, welcome to the show. How are you today? Very good, Ryan Watts. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, your time today. Uh, Ryan Bear is a, a blog, a blogger at walkawayruntowards.com, in which the tagline is, change the way you think we can make the best version of ourselves through education, determination, and discipline. But Ryan, you're a blogger and a personal development advocate. Do I have that right? And it's a journey. It's a passion project. So it's kind of evolving as I go. And it's something that I initiated within myself a very long time ago. And and then realized I reached a point where I can be public about it. I can brand myself. So, yes, there you go, in short. Ryan, you shared that overcoming the challenges of being raised in a toxic environment, right? Uh, Led by, and this is on your site, um, by a narcissistic father was pivotal was pivotal in your journey. So if you could walk us through the moment you realized there was a need for like a recalibration in your life uh, in order to make a better future now. There were, I went through a lot of stages, but it, the the I can almost remember the week or the day or the transition, however, the mindset of the transition. I was in my early to mid thirties and I'd always kind of bounced around with the idea that stuff is wrong. Something's not right. When you're raised in the environment that I was raised in, you're taught to just not talk about certain things and, uh, and just kind of suppress and deal with it. So that's what that was most of my life. And so I, I reached that point there in that mid thirties that it just slipped in my head. And I remember telling someone at the time that after this, I'm going to take a long siesta from from the social life. The social life that I knew was people would it's always go to the bars or it was just something that just didn't feel right. There was something about the environments that it was in day after day, year after year, just didn't feel right. And I knew that I was going to set on a journey. I just didn't know what kind of journey and how long it would take. I just knew that I would separate myself and start learning things and try to learn from within. Yeah, I think kind of you touched on at the beginning and then there at the end, but you know, for somebody who's listening now who this might have like raised a, a red flag for them in your common experience, that feeling of knowing something was wrong, what, what was that like? So I recently wrote, for me at that time, I knew stuff was always wrong throughout my life. But this particular event was just 
another event. It was big because it involves relationships, right? We all want to get married, have a partner, some kind of life thing. And, you know, whether you believe in marriage, everybody seems to want a life partner or try to have a life partner. So uh, I was with someone that I thought we were going to have that. It didn't work. So something that I did in all my relationships was try to reflect on both sides. Where does things go wrong? And this particular one, uh-huh. I'm like, I see enough sides to things that I could say on the other side. There were certain things with myself that I recognized that were a pattern. So regardless of the things that might have been that I could throw blame other way, I wanted to worry about the things that I could control. So uh, the things that stir the pot and make it worse. Why was I doing that? Maybe she was wrong for doing that, but I didn't have to stir the pot. So some of those things that we do as, as humans and in our behavior, and some of us, we know we stir the pot. We know we annoy other people when we do that thing or say that one thing. And we don't have to do those things. But we do that because we know it gets under the other person's skin. And that's not, that's something I wanted to stop doing. If I know it gets under your skin, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person to do it at the time that you shouldn't do it. So there's a lot of that that was built into it. And I didn't, if I'm going to try to find and date the right person, the right life partner, then I needed to be a life partner. So the circle of why I kind of gave up dating, gave up the CSO, that kind of life, the social life, and wanted to grow internally and make sure I wanted to become the butterfly, if you want to take an analogy of it, the caterpillar yeah. to the butterfly. Yeah, and so, you know, I think that that right there, you know, you can just scroll for a minute on social media and see that, um, you know, for most people, and, and there's no judgment here, that doesn't occur to them that, oh, you know, I should change. At least in that context of I should, you know, if I better myself, I'll show up better to my relationships. What do you think caused you to have that? insight ask that question again i think it's an uncommon experience where someone has a relationship that they are unhappy with often you can cite the other side that is you know when they realize you have a relationship that's that you're not satisfied with uh you might point to the other side but you did something different you you kind of said okay I'm going to work on me, the parts I can't control. I don't think that that's, that's a common insight. What tipped you off to that? Question. And um, that's loaded. And I want to say there's a lot of context I can give to that answer. And that's partially why I blog and I break it up into pieces. But it's literally the whole topic of mental and emotional health. The short version is I'm inspired by my own life events and what's occurred in my life events. Me being the older sibling, a lot of it had to do with how I was raised in relationship with my mother and father. Yeah. Um, and then through the years and then trying to reconnect with them, when I reflect on all of that, now obviously when I made that decision that time in the 30s, I already knew that, that something was wrong because I'm states away from where my family lived. I moved away from them by this point. I'm trying to build. I was with someone that I thought was going to be my future and the way that all went down. So at that point in my life, you have to consider that I already moved to start a new life. I was with this person for a couple of years. I don't want to keep restarting. 
So by this point in my life, I had already, because at this point I had been married once. I was married in my early 20s. I was with that girl total for five years. We were only married for one year. So we were to her. Uh, it was maybe a couple of years, and then I moved in with a girl who had falls under the category and then here I moved in a couple states away and started another relationship. So reflecting that I started and tried with three different people, you know, moving in, getting the arrangements and actually trying to plan the future. That's more than I wanted. I only wanted to be married once and done. So each time was a build up on me. So this time in my thirties was uh, over everything in my life. And I'm like, I, I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I'm not going to repeat the same patterns. I'm not going to keep repeating breakups, repeating breakups. Why am I repeating this? So um, as I started that journey, I knew that I had enough discipline in some areas, and that's what gave me the confidence to get going. And then once I saw myself being able to change behavior, change the way I eat, change you know, fight back against depression because part of this is, is you're, you're rolling in and out about of depression. When you realize that you can fight back against it, not get pulled under, you start to see strength in yourself that you didn't realize. And then somehow you just feed off of yourself. And then before you know it, you taught yourself to be a beast and then you can get through things. So that's kind of the point short answer to how it's been through that but but uh, my whole life was impacted um and that's kind of why i blog partially too is i can share pieces of these stories that i'm sharing with you i share them in different ways throughout that blog as well yeah so it seems like you you got to a certain point of self-awareness where you're realizing oh there's like a there's there's a pattern here that's happening and i'm part of the pattern and that part of the pattern is the part that you can control. And so, you know, you, you intervened, if you will. And we're like, well, what if I change my diet? What if I, you know, do X to fight depression? And it sounded like you had some early successes there that really showed you a whole other set of possibilities. And it's not just that. It's on my own side, listening and watching other people go through similar things. What did they do? What did they do? I'm not here trying to, I did anything new or different that anybody else hasn't already done. What it is, it's not common knowledge. People just don't talk about it. But what is becoming common is more people can relate to having their, their parents are divorced or separated. More people can relate to having maybe parents, one or both of them, drinkers or drug addicts just, there's more things that can affect our mental emotional health from the start that we can all relate to and it's just trying to build and share and so when i saw that those kind of people are out there there's very much different kinds of people out there and, and so this is the community and i reached i found you right this is yeah, the second or third thing that we've done and that's what I wanted to do was reach a community because I can't talk about these things. I can't. It's why I have the blog. These it's people, I can't go. If I go out to the local bar and try to talk any of this stuff, people don't want me to hear that. There. That's not yeah. what they're there for. Uh, uh, you know, you know, it occurs to me now, I want to thank you for your vulnerability in this. I mean, you know, I think, 
it takes something to do that as I'm listening to you talk. And I think it makes me want to ask you a question. Obviously, you know, you, you, there's some great value in you being vulnerable, talking about relationships, you're talking about parental figures. What is the role of uh, being vulnerable in personal development? I think it's connected to intimacy, which is connected to basic communication with another human. And the whole point of why you are asking me only works because you're asking me. Yeah. If you weren't asking me, I'm not being vulnerable. I'm just over here in this room. Yeah. Um, it's what we're building. And why this subject is so important is because if either one of us is not a good person, we can take any of our interactions any kind of other way or take things out of context. And, and that's ultimately the battle that all of us have every day is who are we friends with? Who should we be friends with? Who's taking things out of context? Who's not taking things out of context? That's literally, we can break everything down in our language parts to that. And that's what we should be teaching ourselves so that we can grow as people and watch the mistakes that we're making talked about that I had to unlearn. But then we can protect ourselves when we see it in other people. And as children, when they're born, you don't know narcissistic behavior, whether it's a disorder or not, or just poor behavior in general. You don't know these kinds of things. When yeah. Some of these families, a lot of these families, and when you read about the victims of these kinds of families, on the outside, they might look okay. They, they might go to sports events. They might laugh. They, they might say good things about the children, that kind of thing. But when they go back home or when they're private, that love isn't there. It's a fake thing. And then over time, it just develops and twists in the children's mind. They don't understand things. And then you mix in other things that are said behind the scenes and done. And it's just, um, it's a mess. And then when those people become adults, yeah. you're just there. You're just leaving a tornado of madness. Absolutely. You know, the thing that also I've, I've realized in my conversations with you is that you're really passionate about advocating for like early childhood development and self-care. And I just wonder, talk more about what inspired you to do this. Just brought it up before I asked the question. And how do you leading a movement like this, if you will, with walkawayruntowards.com uh, on social media or online? I will always resort to it's a passion project of always wanting to learn uh, and that I like to learn from others and I want other people to throw in. So uh, I say all that because I, I, I kind of give off. I teach a lot. Well, I try to explain a lot, but I'm also willing to accept it here. And I like to, I, I like to actually talk about these things so that we can get to a better answer. That's where my interests are. The, again, I'm impacted from the way I was raised and, and what I witnessed in, in my own life. But um, I can say that I'm intimate with uh, generational abuse. And I, I can see it executed in a real level and, and how it plays out. Just how you learn about it, so it impacts me in the roots of my soul in a way that it's different than just reading about it and saying, "I, miss it. I bet that feels terrible." Well, I know that what it feels like, its element is off, and what we go through. Um, yeah. 
and you can learn about it. That's why orphans, when, when I was growing up, you always felt bad for orphans. But I feel like you don't hear about that as much anymore because it's almost common to not know one or both of your parents. It's, it's more common now than it was yeah. uh, when I was growing up. Sure. Yeah, I think I think definitely that's you don't hear about orphans. I always hear about that type of thing, but it it, it did that that thing is that that concept of orphans is almost dwarfed by the fact that it's rare for both our parents to be in our lives on a full time basis. And I don't think we we talked about it right back then because I can remember just people saying like, "Well, that, he acts like that because he was an orphan." You never understood why. Well, now you understand why. It's not necessarily because he's an orphan. It's because he didn't have, he doesn't have a, a good relationship or any relationship at all with his mom and dad. And and so you take the word orphan out of it. And what I realized is I grew up with my father. Yeah, I wasn't an orphan in that sense, but I was an orphan in the sense he didn't do what he needed a father should do. Yeah. So I was very much orphaned from the love and and, and the connection. And, and, um, played that wrecked havoc in my life. I went through so many different kinds of stages that they all fit the umbrella. They all fit what we talk about. You know, these kinds of environments, you're more likely to be pregnant early, more likely, which I don't have any kids. That wasn't me, but I know people that, that, that that's for my parents. They, they had, they had me when they were 17 and 18. Yeah. But, you know, they came from families that, that, were having some issues with things. They didn't address things right. My dad it was kind of uh, a lot of his family, and my mom was part of their family. But when those things carry down and, and then you don't learn from it, um, it just wrecks havoc. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in uh, one of our last conversations, we talked about just the role of narcissism or narcissism personality disorder in your life. Um, for people who just have a vague understanding of that, how would you explain what narcissistic personality disorder is? I, I, I took a lot of time to, to kind of learn around this subject because of everything that I've been through. And I, I feel like I wanted to kind of mention the words get thrown around and misused a little bit. So I kind of want to clear some things. The actual disorder typically represents that you you basically have no empathy and if you actually have the disorder that it's it's the chances of you I don't know becoming normal or or or, or not behaving like you have a disorder are, are extremely rare. So that's one thing. I say that because behaviors can be taught. You can have people that Wow, he seems like he has narcissistic personality disorder, but he just might, he might have been raised by somebody or he might have dated somebody that has that and those behaviors can be taught and you can become that way. If you start getting down on yourself, if your head's not in the right place, you can just kind of be that way. So there's, understand that. I want to say you, you want to try to understand behaviors in general as well. But when you come across the disorder, you know, um, you know, because of, and you know because it's somebody personal and intimate that you thought you loved, or thought loved you, that will, um, or it could be maybe a close coworker or a boss. They'll lie, they'll gaslight, they'll manipulate. There'll be those things in there. And if you try to question or if you try to 
have critical conversations about things that they might not like, or if it's about your feelings, that's when you'll really know because they'll try to exhort some kind of control. They try to make you feel some kind of way. They use words and they use your memories against you. They twist and manipulate. So when you come across that, it's, it's pretty evil. And when it's somebody that you don't expect to have, and if you don't know anything about this, right, your children, you don't know anything about this, you just you grow up and you don't know why your mom or your dad acts a certain way. But then you reach to a certain point where you try to ask different questions. You try to, you know, that's never worked in the past, so let me try this. So I'm not, that didn't work. Let me try this. You shouldn't have to try so hard with somebody. So there's, there's once you learn it, the warning signs, you can handle yourself. But for me, if it was hard. I went through a long time not understanding, but trying hard to understand. And reached a certain point when I learned more and expanded and actually learned about behavior disorders. I said, oh, well, that's, and I learned more into it. And then I went back to try to engage. And I, I learned so much about the behavior disorders. Oh, you know, when you can predict. Yeah. In narcissism, the actual disorder, you can predict it. You can have, I, I can go to certain people that I know that I think have it and try to ask them something. And I can tell you beforehand what they're going to do and say, because they can't have an honest back and forth without getting emotional or without making some kind of accusation. And it's that art, the art of engagement with truth. The art of engagement with um, lies. It's being able to know when you're talking with someone what you're dealing with. And, it's, and, and that's very complicated in today's world because people, they, they go out there and you, you try to find jobs. A lot of you can find a job with people with an environment. They might breed that those behaviors. They might not be narcissistic people, but those are behaviors. There's certain behaviors that can be found anywhere, not just your family. But um, that's where I I expand beyond myself, beyond the family, and it's 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 the public, it's the environment. That's why I talk about mental emotional health with, with everybody. Um, you just can boil it down to ourselves and have to understand ourselves first before we can help others. So uh, otherwise, how do we know we're helping others? Yeah. So if you were going to give an example of like what happens in in a relationship with somebody who is we could say i mean i guess either or but let's say they're suffering from narcissistic personality disorder and i guess you know share your experience or a hypothetical experience what does that back and forth look like it can obviously vary uh in a lot of ways but there's a lot of similarities love bombing is a common is a common thing in the beginning or if it's a family member, maybe they pull it whenever they um, want something out of The love bombing is when you kind of go over the top affectionate for someone, uh, and then you pull back and you're completely not that way, or, or there's things that you said and did. So I was in a relationship where, um, and this is common, you'll find that people that have been love bombed will tell you this. They thought that the person that, that they were with at the time was sent out of heaven. They did everything right. They said everything right. As perfect as perfect can be. If you feel that way, there's a good chance that you're probably being love bombed. 
and as someone, something else that I had to learn about myself um, because of the way I was raised, because I um, took on many chores and was basically a slave to others, that's ingrained in my personality. I bring this up because how people date is impacted. So as I got older, because I always had to do whatever it was for my father, scratch his back, hold the antenna so he can watch TV better, go get his meals, watch the kids, go to the store, have a good walk and buy milk. I always had to do stuff for him. So as I developed and got into where I was dating, I found myself always wanting to do stuff for the girl. And so that girl would look for me. The girl, oh, he's going to do anything and everything? Oh, what do you want me to do? I'll go there. What do you want me to do? You're whipped, that kind of thing. Well, I wasn't whipped because I was in love. I was whipped because it was ingrained in me as a kid that I always do for the other person. So I become a magnet for narcissistic people. And I realize that's a pain in my life. That's why I had to learn about these behaviors. I'm the kind of person that I will go above and beyond, but a, a narcissist will take, 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 take. They don't reciprocate. So going through that, that's over time is draining. Over time, you notice it. Me personally built, was built a different way. So I probably took more abuse. Well, I know I took more abuse than I needed to mentally. Um, yeah. Um, a lot of, once you recognize it though, you don't let yourself get, I'm not going to make another mistake. Yeah. Um, Cause the person has to be able to communicate with me on a certain level. And I know these behaviors well enough that a narcissistic, narcissistic person is not going to, they won't, they don't get along with me now because I'm too, I molded myself. I went through the changes. I can see behavior. I know what questions to ask. Yeah. Yeah. What does they say? Uh, truth doesn't mind being questioned, but lies hate being challenged. So you can articulate your language back and forth in a way that if the other person's getting agitated, those are your signs, and then you can just walk away. So what would you say to someone who is listening who, you know, they're in a relationship, they're suffering, and um, some of what you are describing is resonating with them. The, the red flag's been raised. They're like, well, my partner is acting in this way. What would you say to that person? Well, it's almost like with anyone at any point in your life, you just have to make sure you, you know your moves, where you're at, and what you're doing. Now, if you're in a relationship and it's not going well, I mean, you you have to identify if there's hope and the thing with uh, assisted personality disorder that I've learned is if you really think that's the case, one, you're probably not going to get them to admit it, uh, but most likely they won't. But two, if you really are, then you're never going to get anywhere. There's ways that you can learn to live around them if you don't want to leave them. And there's methods. There's one they call it gray rock, and, and and you can go into some different methods on trying to handle them. What what you do is you you end up learning their behavior so well that you curb them. Um, you you recognize the kind of questions they ask, or the way they bring up things, or the way they you you recognize their tactics when they do it because each one kind of has their own, and they're very skillful, and you, you curb it. But the problem with curbing that, and you have to be careful, is a lot of these, or some of them, can get violent. Some of them really don't don't like being challenged because they want to be in control. And then most typically don't work out. Um, yeah. So you need to make sure you have an exit. Think of an exit, and if you don't have an exit. So you got friends, you got to come up with something. But 
So if you're already stuck, that, that's one thing. But when you think of the future, and I think of school and education, I can't help but think just as people, why don't we teach ourselves how to be better for ourselves but then better for each other? Like, I don't understand why there isn't more involved there or even in our education system. So, yeah, um, that goes into other topics. That's partially why I have my blog again. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, I want to try to push a video series of, of different kinds to try to come up with ways to help people teach more about these kinds of things. Because yeah. all it is is people, you have, you have people take advantage of other people. You have people getting abused by people. And then the family breakdown just isn't a good thing. You know? Yeah. So. I think, um, you know, the, on the other side of the story, looking at someone who is suffering from something that's narcissistic, personality disorder, or in this case, just narcissistic uh, behaviors. One of the things that strikes me is that, um, you know, this it doesn't come from anywhere. It usually comes from a severe trauma or severe pain. This person is endured. Yeah, I learned. I'm not going to. So some people might argue that you can be born with it, and, and maybe that's true. I haven't wasted. I don't want to say waste, but I haven't spent much time going into that. That's not. Yeah. Where my thought is try to improve yourself, if not why. And then, um, you know, and then when it comes to trying to raise kids, why, why aren't we teaching ourselves the best ways to go about it? And we already know that at our ages, when, when you're beyond, you know, we'll just say 30 of you and beyond that, the older you are, yes, you're smarter. Having your intelligence and patience at your younger age. So, any argument of people trying to make kids and have kids at early ages. So let's back up and make sure our mindsets are right. How do you know you're ready to teach that? Have you taught yourself yet? So when I think of these things is like, why can't we, can you imagine having schools where we teach people to teach themselves? I, there's something in Iowa. I want to learn more about it. It's, that's along the lines of what I like where they, 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 they don't, they're not teacher led, they're student led environments. Yeah. Um, but, but then also the behaviors. Why aren't we teaching ourselves better behaviors? Maybe how to be spontaneous the right way, how to party the right way, how to play the right way, how to engage the right way. And when I say the right way, I mean to where we're not trying to execute on hidden agendas, hidden selfish agendas, trying to sleep with our best friend's girlfriend or something like that. Let's get, how do we fix all that stuff? And it's just, it starts with early childhood development. No one comes first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess if I assumed, so I guess what I'm referring to is there was this, someone I spoke with who um, was in a relationship with someone who, on the outside, demonstrated traits of a narcissistic personality. That was, um, you know, very, very low empathy, huge love bomb at the beginning uh, to this, swept this person right off their feet. And then, um, you know, once kind of in, they use the other person um, to really, you know, cutting them, them down to make themselves feel better. And this person had said to me, the thing that makes it so difficult is that this person also shared the trauma that they've been through. And so it was very clear to this person that their partner suffered from trauma, right, that caused these narcissistic personality traits, and it made it very difficult 
for um, this person to leave the relationship? I think, and I still try to reflect and make sure that sometimes I don't do some things and sometimes I might, but um, so similar to other forms of abuse, you'll carry it. People might carry it. They'll know that they, they know it's wrong, but they still do it. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's family members that I've tried to, extended family members that I've tried to reach to that I can pick up on certain be So here's the thing about narcissistic personality disorder too, depending on the age, is they typically tend to get worse and, and easier to see. They're not as good. I don't explain. I think they get lonelier as you get older. So these people that have it, you, you, you see the decline in them. Um, so even if they trick people, or I don't know if trick's the right word. Um, they, they, some of them, a lot of them can get through life where they bounce around relationship to relationship and they, nobody really knows who the bad guy was, right? It's she said. That's what the, that, so even if one person's being honest, the other person's going to set it up so that it's a, yeah, I want to stop you there for a minute because you said maybe trick isn't the right word, but there's there is a maneuver that happens. Yeah, yeah, manipulation that causes them to kind of enter into the relationship on a false pretense, right? Is that what I'm getting? Yes. The part that I be careful and I want to learn more is if it's always intentional or not. I want to say it might not be intentional. I might say some people are in a place where they don't realize they're they're doing it per se. Yeah. They don't have that kind of control. So I want to say there are definitely those that have hidden agendas and do want to do things, but there are, the, 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 I want to say they're weaker. The weaker kind, they don't actually have a bigger agenda. They're actually just that weak, and then when the moment arises, they they do something. So they don't plan to lie, but because someone said something, they just instantly... Re- so what I mean by that is when I was younger, and I... I went through all these different stages I told you about. Well, I went through a stage where, oh, I'm starting to get a lot of friends, and people would share things with me, and it felt different. Well, people would say, don't share this with anyone, and I didn't think anything about it, and I accidentally would share it, and it'd be like the next day, and then they would get back around, and they'd go, why did you do that? And it wasn't intentional, but it was an example of me just reacting without thinking, and I think people can do that. People connect, and, and there's some people that they don't know they do it unless the people around them told them they think. And if no one tells you, you might not even be self-aware. So what I'm getting at is there are people that will 100% definitely have pretty messed up intentions that they're formulating something not nice, really not nice. That's how you get into extreme stuff, murders and whatever beatings. But then there's a they're really nasty people, but they don't do that. They're just really mean and nasty with what they say yeah. or how they treat you. And some of that might be they just don't have their own control. It's not always they're doing it. They just might not have the control. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, from what I've read about it is it is scary. And one of the things, I don't know if you've ever heard this, this was just uh a blip I saw on a YouTube video, I think, or something. So I don't know the the source material off the top of my head. 
But what was mentioned was that uh, one of the ways that you could spot somebody uh, who suffers from narcissistic personality disorder is they kind of, um, you know, when there's there's not even anything on the line, there's no, let's just say they're telling a random story in a social situation, they'll completely just make something up that was completely, just kind of makes them look like the hero that has nothing to do with what happened or whatnot. And this is a pattern that they'll see from people who suffer from this disorder. Have you heard that? Well, yeah, there's different styles. And the one that I'm probably most familiar with is the grandiose. It's a grandiose is the word they use. Grandiose style of narcissistic personality disorder. And I think I caught on to some key words you had there. We'll tell a story or highlight a story or point a direction if it involves themselves look good or on a so someone that has this typically when they have the disorder they're typically really weak people inside and they need the reputation they need the validation out loud how I know that I don't need validation from others. I, I know from teaching myself that I can do things. And so having lived with someone that, so you can read the textbook definitions of what grandiose narcissistic personality disorders, and you can read what they go through. But because I live day in and day out with somebody, and now I can read those and apply it to what I saw, apply it to what I witnessed, um, it makes it so much easier for me to connect the dots. And because I should add this, I, I spent several years catching shoplifters. I was going into law enforcement. So a lot of, there's a lot of my life that I've studied behaviors intentionally for different reasons. And I can put things together and I can tell you from studying people shopping for several years that um, I'll, I'll be undercover so I can hear the conversations in passing, right? And that's all I'm doing. Most people only go shopping for what they need. They're in and out. A couple of things happen. I did all that on my own time, but I spent several years just watching shoppers and listening to shoppers. So um, people do things and say things for a reason. So where people's habits come in, social habits, habits bad habits, talking habits, when to start talking, when to stop talking, when to let someone keep telling you the story that you don't want to hear, or when to get more out of a person. The whole range, the whole gambit. There is reasons why people are, are, are giving you information, or there's reasons why they want information out of you. So um, I know I'm a very unique, unique person when people deal with me out in public, but... Um, I blog about this too on a couple of my pieces, but everything, and you brought it up earlier at the very beginning of this, patterns. Everything is patterns. And once you recognize the pattern, I have things boiled down to where I can get, I can get a good feel of your heart. And I, I'm not perfect, but whether you're probably a good person or more of a hateful person, whether you, I, I can feel some things really quick because of what I've done. And I can ask the right 
questions with, with people. I can interview, I've done interviews with my jobs, but um, with some of the things that you're asking and trying to identify narcissistic people, because I know so well what they have in their heart, you can ask things like, what is your purpose as a human? A narcissistic person will have problems with answering that question. Now, unless they think about it ahead of time, unless you gave them, unless they knew how to answer that, I bet you most all of them will, will strike them odd. And then no matter who it is, they give you the response. You'll see on their response that it's off kilter. Whereas if you ask what my purpose is, it's to help people. You won't hear a narcissist say that. Yeah, that's interesting. Unless it's part of their political, like I said, unless it's a unique anomaly. But yeah. Given the, the right context, they're not going to tell you. Yeah. So uh, switching the, the uh, topic of the conversation a little more broad uh, lens, you know, I also hear that we're kind of in a culture that rewards like this narcissistic traits. So we're kind of shifting towards narcissistic traits, right? Uh, and I do see there's, there's some things on Instagram, like reels and things we're all seeing, you know, it's like, it's all about the money you make and, you know, people are driving uh, $100,000 cars and things like that. And, um, and what do you think about that? Um, again, it's all littered throughout my blogs. I tackle all these issues. I don't like the fact that we have to discuss it. I don't like the fact that I, I see some extremism out there. And it, but money is definitely the root, right? That's why everybody's doing this. And um, the problem that we have allowed ourselves, and you know, I talked about this, is, is people affect each other. And the reason why I like to talk about the narcissistic personality disorders is that uh, at some point it just needs to be addressed because, and we need to address healthy families, right? We talked about the whole orphan thing, so without having to break it down, we're making it harder on ourselves to, the more that we keep making broken people, we keep making people like me that, that don't, don't figure it out until your 30s or 40s, what are we doing here? Why, why do we have so many people that, that struggle, right? The ones that understand it well, by the time they're 18, they're, they're supported by people that help them in certain ways that, 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 that nurture them to that point, right? Um, I know I can do things now as a person that I couldn't do then. I, I look at student athletes. You got, you know, people coming in here and they're being interviewed on national TV at the age of 18 or 19. If I was 18 or 19 at that time, I couldn't do that. You can now, now go ahead. But yeah. I don't care who you are. I, but back then, because of my anxieties, because of the way I was raised, because of the way I was sheltered, just uh, I was too underdeveloped. Um, and when we talk any kind of polls, when we talk all well, these, these people, this nobody thinks about mental health at that time. So yeah. mental health, while it's gotten better. It's really like physical health. You can get a paper cut, right? But you're not going to call off work. You're not going to freak out. Your leg's not falling off. There's yeah. two different things. When it comes to mental health, it's similar. You can be a little bummed out, but that's okay. But if you lost yourself in the room for two weeks, that's different. But something leads to something, right? There's, right. there's different things that happen in our lives. So it's understanding all that and, and, and putting it in the forefront. And I, 
already know so you brought up a movement and i thought about that i'm just trying to be part of the community but what happened with the lead the movement or i'm part of leading the movement um it, what, what it's going to be and i just got right to the chase because i've already kind of called it out i always think ahead i can't stop that but i would basically you're splitting people what we're doing because what i'm doing and then bringing this up and, and, and trying to control it or identify it in some ways so that we can prevent it from some of the virus or cancer is you can't have those types being parents and raising kids. They're just not, it doesn't work. It creates abuse and then abuse creates more abuse. And if you have multiple kids and this, that's a generational thing that I look up. So not only can I speak about it on my own tree and roots, but I searched up other people's tree and roots. And then this is kind of, this isn't just a me thing. This is people thing. And you can go back to the early 1900s and 1800s. You can look how often people were having babies. And if you consider that we never talked about mental health, this way we never talked about narcissism, personality disorder. And then when you, I took the time, I'm part of a lot of groups. Yeah. The doctors will tell you, that it's not a high number, but to me, it seems to be pretty rampant. There are so, so many people that can relate to these topics that it just seems yeah, like it needs to be talked about. So it doesn't matter what profession we're talking about, and this is important because this is how we get divided in politics, whether we're talking about school officials, police officials, government, janitors, farmers, Office workers, McDonald's workers, narcissistic personality disorder is not going to be good in any of those. Yeah. None of those. So when that person's a police officer and then they get busted for doing something wrong and then now it's being used as all police officers are bad or you have a few of them around, but then like I said, what if it's McDonald's workers? What if it's some, what if it's name a company? So what I'm getting at is, is people are so quick to label everything, but really you got to break it down to individuals. Our own mental health is the common denominator and differences between all of us. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what's next for you? You mentioned that there's a video series that you're working on. What, what is the next? Um... Well, I've been fighting for a long time. Time and it's kind of just executing, but I kind of don't want to execute unless I can kind of be consistent. So what I'm in the middle of doing, and I hope it's sooner rather than later, is, is I've already tested the waters. I got a couple of videos up, but I want to do more. I know the blog as well. People really like the blog. I'll probably keep doing that. I started a book. I don't know if I'll get back to it. I, I guess I'm just trying to hit that next. I know I'm good at teaching. So my thought with the videos and the video series is, is, is I control that. It's not like a channel where that's all a video game channel, right? So someone's going to do video games, play video games. Well, that's what you do. That's all you're going to do. No, with mine, topics. So, um, I'm still formulating what they'll be, but maybe it'll be five to 10 videos to cover something. You know that I want to keep them short, like the blog. I try to keep my posts too long. Um, my whole thing is that I can give you content, but to give it to you short, to the point, and informative. Yeah, uh, and then maybe in a creative, in a creative way, and then to get you to think. So, um, I, I have my two videos up that I kind of just tested the waters, make sure I felt comfortable on camera, and just let them sit on the web. 
but my idea is to try to play off of that. Um, I, 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 I'm fired by uh, Bob Ross, which is why I have him in the background of my channel. So actually, there's part. I've already thought about how I want to do it. I think I want to do a one-on-one talking to the audience, just like Bob Ross did. So I think I might borrow from him. But the video series will involve how I talk to the camera, how I bring up my subjects. They're short and sweet. Um, and then with the series, see how it goes. And then maybe I do another series. And then I just play it from there. Because it's a project, I just break it up in small projects, I guess. Yeah. That's but a good idea. That's why I keep putting my message out there. Just keep, just, I like the idea of just the little topics with some videos that follow up on that. It's, it's so simple. I think a lot of people could get a lot of benefit from that. So, so for someone listening who might be in a toxic environment and they're kind of struggling with their own personal development, what might you say to them? That's a question. How old are we talking? Give me an age. So let's say they're, um, you and I kind of talked about how we were both in probably our early to mid thirties when we started seeing red flags. Uh, but let's say thirty-three. Oh, hopefully at thirty-three you're able to reflect. I'll I'll bring it up to basically almost what I was doing. I don't know where someone might be at thirty-three. Where I was at thirty-three, I knew that I needed to change and make changes. So it's it's almost. What is what you should do at any point in your life, and that's focus on what you can control. So it's almost not even that if you're in a toxic situation, you should, no matter what, should always try to avoid toxic situations. Learn about behaviors so you don't get into them. If you get into them, learn how to get out of them. If you if you can't get out of them, then you need to learn how to manage until you can get out of it. But you need to make sure your head and mindset is in the right place. So there, there's a lot of things there. You got to have goals. Um, you got to have a schedule, and you got to stick to it. And you can't suppress. You got to have outlets. So there's what you need to get out of the situations. Almost what you need to maintain and live daily, because you can act, you can become complacent. That's something else that I used to do. So something that helps me now free from depression, free from all those things, is to be actively minded on daily goals and schedules. If you're not, then you fall into complacency. Well, I think that's uh, that seems like a good place to stop. Well, Ryan, I thank you for your time. I thank you for uh, for joining me today and being so open with us. And, you know, I, I always say to you, I'm totally behind you on your mission here. I love it. So thank you for what you do. I appreciate it. I appreciate you asking questions. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to explain. Yeah, absolutely. It is my pleasure. So until next time. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for listening again today. Uh, this is the Ryan Wants Life Coaching Podcast. Uh, again, if you wanted to find information on Ryan and his mission, it's walkawayruntowards.com where you can find his blog. Um, good stuff there. And he's got a great mission, which I wholeheartedly support. So until next week, this is Ryan. You can find us online at ryanwantslifecoaching.com forward slash personal success for a great uh, worksheet on discovering what success really means to you. Until next time, have a good week.